Welcome to The Savvy Sauce, where we have practical chats for intentional living. I'm your host, Laura Duggar, and I'm so glad you're here. I am thrilled to introduce you to our sponsor, Windshape Marriage. Their weekend retreats will strengthen your marriage and you will enjoy this gorgeous setting, delicious food, and quality time with your spouse. To find out more, visit them online at windshapemarriage.org. That's W-I-N-S-H-A-P-E marriage.org. Thanks for your sponsorship. Susan C. is my returning guest today. She has the best ideas and she asks thoughtful questions that lead to transformation. She's going to share 10 powerful questions with us today that are a part of what she considers her most valuable parenting tool. Listen in to see how you can incorporate this practice into your own family. Here's our chat. Welcome back to the Savvy Sauce, Susan. I am so glad to be here. I always have such a good time with you. Well, you are a longtime friend of the Savvy Sauce, so I'll make sure and link to both of your previous episodes in our show notes today. But for now, will you give us an update of who you are and what you do? For sure. Hi, everybody. I'm Susan C. I uh, live here in Austin, Texas with my college sweetheart, Ron, and our seven children. I am a podcast host of the Mentor for Moms podcast. I'm an international speaker. I am a life coach, certified life coach, and a mom who absolutely loves my children, and I love encouraging other moms. And you do that so well. And the reason that I wanted to ask you back today is because a while back on your own podcast, You did a two-part series about this one parenting tool, and you've witnessed that one parenting tool lead to the most heart change and transformation. So will you tell us more about the origins of this idea of asking 10 intentional questions of our children? Oh, absolutely. And I think the key is that word intentional that you said. I think it's, we live in a day of common posts or comments about like, here's 10 questions to ask, or here's five ways to get this done, or here's 10 tips to have, you know, a happy marriage or a clean home or whatever it is. And I think the risk is to reduce what I'm offering as a tool into people's homes, into like a catchy gadget or a a quick tidbit. And it could be that, but I hope it's not. I hope it's so much more. And the origin of this is my heartbeat in encouraging moms and affirming them in their role and their position in their home is to liken it a lot to how it mirrors the business world and the marketplace. And what I have lamented for a long time is that if you were to go into the marketplace and into the business world and you were to be hired in a position of manager, one of the first things that you are given is training. And I would say as moms, we are arguably managing the most foundational organization within our society, and that's the family, but we're doing it with little to no training. So I enjoy looking into the business world and the marketplace and finding different tools that managers use that help them to be the most effective in their role. And then saying, in what way can we as moms benefit from a tool similar to that? 
And one of those tools that the business world uses is the one-on-one or the the feedback meeting that they have annually at the performance review for employees. And I thought, in what way could we as moms use that? And the idea of taking these 10 questions and flipping it on its head. So instead of us reviewing our kids and kind of saying, here's where we think you are and how you're doing with following instructions or keeping your room clean or doing your chores or in your schoolwork and that kind of thing. I think there's plenty of places where we give feedback regularly as parents daily. (laughs) This one is for us to have a one-on-one with our children where they are giving us feedback on their experience of being in relationship with us. And that removes any pride that could come up with us. And I think that It's so genius that you draw these from business principles, and ultimately, I've heard you teach that they're really biblical principles because Jesus modeled questions in a way that every time he interacted with someone and asked a question, it penetrated to the heart and was a catalyst for transformation and life change. Mm -hmm. Questions have a way of getting to the heart of the matter if we allow them to, especially depending on how you ask the question. And I, in all of my research and preparing for ways in which to develop tools for moms, have come across this understanding that there's really three levels to communication. And that first level is what we call the surface level. And the surface level is merely the quick interactions that we have with someone where we're not willing to go really deep. And I think that we could run the risk of thinking shallow means bad, but I don't want us to do that because I think of shallow uh, or surface level conversations are really those moments where we acknowledge the presence of another person. So whether we're doing that as we're getting on and off the elevator or passing someone on the street or seeing a neighbor drive by and we wave, that's just acknowledging the presence of another person. Level two in our communication is the head level. And the head level is a place of statistics, information, and data. And on level two, that's where we have conversations like, hey, what's for dinner? What time do we need to go to practice? What's What should we put on the grocery list? What movie are we going to watch? Like these are just facts and information and data. Well, the risk is that in our families, quite often we hang out on level one and level two conversations. We acknowledge each other. Good morning. Hey, good morning. What time is that meeting today? What time will you be home? What are we having for dinner tonight? Like we stay in that place and we don't ever drop into level three. And level three communication is the level that is called the heart level. And on the heart level, that is the only place where communication takes place that facilitates transformation. That's the only place where we change and we transform. It's on the heart level. It's when we connect heart to heart, when we have an emotional exchange, when we drop beyond the facts, the information, the data, and we are willing to get vulnerable, when we're willing to be transparent, when we're willing to open ourselves up, that's the level of intimacy. Like all of that happens on the heart level. And I find that the questions that Jesus asked had a way of just leaping past (laughs) level one and level two, even though it might sound like he's asking, like, who are you married to, that he was getting into a deeper heart level conversation there. And 
when he did, people's lives were transformed. And everything about what they did beyond that interaction with him changed. And I believe that we can do the same in our homes when we ask intentional questions, that we can transform the people within our homes. And by virtue, our home is transformed. Wow, that is so powerful. So communication is huge. All these different levels are important. But that level three, a way to usher in that heart level conversation you're saying is intentional questions. And so you've given this a lot of thought. What is your system that you've implemented to prioritize this with each of your kids? Because you have quite a few kids. (laughs) I do. I do. And that makes for a lot of communication happening in this household. But I found that as a mom with a big family uh, with seven kids, it would be very easy for me to get a group mentality. Okay, come on, everybody. It's time to eat. Okay, come on, everybody. It's time to go. Okay, come on, everybody. Like I'm just always shuttling along the group and missing out on the individual, the uniqueness of each one of my children. And so I asked myself, like, how can I prioritize a connection with them independently? And, you know, I've heard all kinds of wonderful ideas, like have a weekly date, not just with your husband, but, you know, take out one of your kids. If you're going to run errands, take one of them with you. And I do some of those things, but I wanted something that went beyond hoping that when we're together in that moment, we might have a good conversation. I was like, how can I be more intentional about that? And so that's where all of this kind of came together between the annual performance review tool and me wanting to have an intentional connection, a heart level connection with my kids individually. And so I said, how about every year I come together with one child at a time. And I ask them these questions and I give them the space and the permission to be completely honest with me. And so just getting to a few of the logistical parts of that system, what age were your kids when you started with each of them? Yes. So I started doing this over 15 years ago now. And uh, I think back to my my early days of doing this. My son, I have one boy, six girls. And my son was, how do I describe him personality-wise? He's typically a firstborn. Like he's dutiful and wanting to make mom and dad happy. And he's very much a get-along kid. Like he's like, we want to always prefer him. And he's like, you know, whatever. Like, he's so chill, almost a little too chill. <laughs> he frustrates us sometimes. We're like, have an opinion, please. Like, we want to bless you for your birthday. And you keep saying, whatever, no problem, <laughs> no big deal. Like, he's so chill. And so I started with him, I want to say when he was like uh, seven or eight. He was I would not say eager for this (laughs) because I didn't set him up well. And that's one of my mistakes that I want to share with the moms who are listening is in the past, if I asked you to come into my room, you were in trouble. Like if I'm like, hey, hey, Malik, I need you to come in into my room for me and you to talk. I'm excited. I'm like, we're going to finally have time for these 10 questions. I've got his sisters set up and they're watching a movie and everybody's going to be fine. He and I get to talk. And he's thinking, "Uh uh-oh, mama called me in the room. Like, 
what I do? What does she know? What did she find out? What's going to happen? <laughs> so I'm trying to ask these 10 questions and get to the heart of it. And, you know, pour your heart out to me, son. Tell me, tell me what you think. What are your thoughts? And what are your opinions? And what are your, what's your perspective? And in his head, he's thinking, I don't know why she's asking me these questions, but I swear, and she's writing things down. I, I think I'm in trouble. <laughs> That is a really great practical tip because we may overlook that if we're implementing this. It will be new for all of us and all of our kids. But I'm also curious, once you've gotten in this rhythm, how long on average do those meetings take? Mm, That really depends on the age of your child and the personality of your child. And that is the fun of having someone like me go before you and test this thing out for years. Like I didn't, I didn't just come up with this idea last week. Like I've been in the trenches with this for so many years that I can give you, I can look back and give you a little perspective when they're younger. And I have done this with as young as four or five. And I get the question all the time. People are like, when do you start? How old should they be? I would say it really depends on your child. If your child watches a movie and you see them at the table at at the dinner table and they can tell your daddy or tell their friends or tell their aunt or cousins all about the movie and they can like this happened and then this person did that, that child is probably ready for 10 questions. If they could give a good movie review, they're probably ready. But if they are like, I don't know what happened, like there was a movie on, (laughs) but I wasn't paying attention, then they're probably they probably don't have the stamina for doing the 10 questions. Like that's a good gauge and a child appropriate movie. So like, even if it's a 30 minute movie, just look at what are their verbal communication skills and what level are they on to be able to tell back the story or tell back what they thought about a character or what they thought about the movie. Um, That's a good gauge for when you should start. Um, But I have found that trying to do this every year with my kids has given them enough space to not feel constantly put on the spot. And it has given me enough time to implement some of the things that they say that I feel like are legit places for me to pray about and to grow in. Hmm. Well, before we do get into those 10 questions you recommend, Will you also just explain the flip side? And what I mean by that is, what is the danger of not prioritizing these purposeful meetings with our children? Mm. I have found that once your children get a glimpse of what's possible with this meeting and this annual time and what it really means and what you're really hoping to hear from them, they will look forward to it. Like it's something that they anticipate and look forward to sharing in. And it will be a beautiful display of love towards them and of you all learning how to foster a relationship that has genuine heart level conversations. And then you'll experience them throughout the year. So 
yeah, initially they don't know what to expect. They're not sure what this is. It's like, okay, mom, mom listened to another podcast or mom heard another talk and she's got a cool idea and she's going to implement it. So at first they're like, okay, we're not sure what this is. But once they experience it and they truly experience it in the context that Laura and I are going to really set up for you as we, as we move forward. And that is that you come into the room and you're your posture towards your child is secretary mode. And what do I mean by secretary mode? It's like if you picture a secretary in a meeting where there's lots of conversation and she's there to take notes, her posture is not to vet the the statements or the, the opinions that are shared in the room. Like, oh, I think that's a good idea or no, I don't think that idea is one we should implement. Instead, she's simply there to ensure that whatever is said in that room is documented. So that if anyone needs to know what was shared in the meeting, they can go back to the notes and refer to what happened. Well, that's what we do when we're talking with our children is we assume secretary mode. And you go in and you have something to write with and something to write on. And then you have a seat and you invite them in and you allow them to share. As you ask the questions, you just put your head down and you take notes. And you please do let them know. I'm not writing these down because I'm going to take notes on everything you said and then figure out where you went wrong and then you're going to get in trouble. Like I'm writing these things down because what you say means so much to me and I want to ensure that I don't forget it. And so I write these things down so that I have a way of going back and remembering the important things that you shared with me because I value what you have to say. I think that does communicate honor to them in a nonverbal way, I guess. And I'm just wondering, because we're not there yet. Our oldest is just seven. But I think it was guest Daniel Huerta who said, sometimes when we're not having these intentional conversations in young childhood, or if we're not really aware of the condition of our flocks, then sometimes these issues will manifest in teen years that maybe could have been avoided had we been a little bit more intentional or given more forethought when they were younger. So would you say that this is a good system to counteract that possibility? Absolutely. And I couldn't agree more. I think a lot of what we see in our children that we would define as negative is really their own immature way of trying to express the feelings and the thoughts that they have that they don't know how to verbalize. Mm -hmm. So we see temper tantrums in little ones and we think they're being unruly or disobedient and whatnot. And they may be, but it's also their immature expression of something that's going on. There's they're feeling anxious or they're feeling frustrated or they're feeling upset or they don't know how to say, mom, I'm feeling very frustrated at this moment and I'd like to go home. All they know to do is kick their shoes off and and fall down on the floor and wail. That's the way that they express that. And then as parents, we get to figure out how to help them learn how to express that in more effective ways. Notice I didn't say it necessarily would be pretty, but what's more effective that I can understand where you are And you can understand what is needed in the moment. Like if we're in the grocery store, like in the moment, we need to get these groceries 
into the car. <laughs> I understand you're frustrated and we can work through that, but it's not effective for you to do that on the floor. Like that, that doesn't work. Let's take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsor. I'm so excited to share today's sponsor, Windshape Marriage, with you. Windshape Marriage is a fantastic ministry that helps couples prepare, strengthen, and if needed, even save their marriage. Windshape Marriage is grounded on the belief that the strongest marriages are the ones that are nurtured, even if it seems like things are going smoothly. That way, they'll be stronger if they do hit a bump along their marital journey. Through their weekend retreats, Windshape Marriage invites couples to enjoy time away to simply focus on each other. These weekend retreats are hosted within the beautiful refuge of Windshape Retreat, perched in the mountains of Rome, Georgia, which is just a short drive from Atlanta, Birmingham, and Chattanooga. While you and your spouse are there, you'll be well-fed, well-nurtured, and well-cared for. During your time away in this beautiful place, you and your spouse will learn from expert speakers and explore topics related to intimacy, overcoming challenges, improving communication, and so much more. I've stayed on site at Windshape before, and I can attest to their generosity, food, and content. You will be so grateful you went. To find an experience that's right for you and your spouse, head to their website, windshapemarriage.org. That's W-I-N-S-H-A-P-E marriage.org. Thanks for your sponsorship. I think everybody's properly ready. Let's just dive right on in. So now will you share those 10 intentional questions with us? Absolutely. Let's go. All right. So uh, question number one I'm going to tell you now has two different possibilities. And I want you to think about which possibility is great for you, depending on your kid's age. So one possibility is to ask them, what three words would you use to describe our family? The other possibility is to say on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate our family? Really good, be a 10. And one, you'd say, our family needs a lot of work. And let them choose a number. Question number two, what can we do to improve our relationship? That one is always a fun question to ask because I find that you get real insight into what moves and motivates your child uniquely. So if they're saying things like, I wish we would spend more time together or I would love to see us give each other gifts more, or I'd love it if I didn't feel like you guys were always criticizing me and telling me where, what I'm doing wrong, which says to me, the flip opposite of what they want is more encouragement and more affirmation. Because sometimes what they say is what they don't want. And the, the part that we play as parents is we get to say, okay, they're clear on what they don't want. What is it they really want? So the flip opposite, if I don't want to feel criticized and constantly being told what I'm doing wrong, they're saying, can you affirm me and can you encourage me and, and let me know when you see me doing things that you appreciate. I can just see where that takes a lot of maturity for the parent. And that's good because parents are ideally more mature than their children, but that they can be in this humble position where they're just exploring curiously and not personalizing it or getting offended if they do hear something that the child thinks they could do to improve the relationship. It it makes such a big difference, Laura. I'm here to tell you, my kids have said things that I have really wanted to just go pause, wait a minute, 
that is not even how that happened. <laughs> that is not what I meant, or that's not how that, I just want to go into defense mode. I want to defend myself. I want to defend my husband or whatnot. And that is why I stress how important it is to be in secretary mode and not to judge their experience of the story, because that's really all that they're sharing is that's how they experienced it. It doesn't mean that what they're saying is 100% the truth with a capital T, you know, the unadulterated truth. They're sharing little T truth, their truth, their experience, their perspective. And we want to honor that and then look for how do we parent them to help their perspective to expand so that it's beyond that narrow view of just their own world. But they begin to see that they're a part of a bigger a bigger world. They're part of a bigger family. They're part of a bigger society that it's not just about you, but it's bigger than that. And that's what parenting will help us do over time. But in this moment, when they're answering questions, they're just sharing their little T truth, their personal experience, and we're documenting it because that helps us to understand them and where they're at. So you're saying this is just a time to listen, ask clarifying questions, observe, take notes on them. But this is not our time where we're offering the coaching and the feedback because that would probably shut down their openness in these meetings. Is that right? That's absolutely right. As parents, typically, we give plenty of feedback. We get the floor to share our experience and our perspective with our children. And this unique experience that we're creating here is the space for them to have the floor. And we're simply here to be a listening ear. Okay, awesome. And I'll let you go on. What is number three? All right, number three is, which do you believe is more important to me? who you are, or how you behave. Oof, that's good. And do you have any stories from what kind of feedback your children gave you with any of your meetings on this question? Yes. This question, I thought, was an easy question. Like, of course, I'm more concerned about who you are. And I remember one of my children sitting up straight when I asked this question, like, Woo, I know the answer to this one. And they were so happy. And I was ready to just, you know, like breeze on past question number three. And they said, absolutely, you're more concerned about how we behave. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I had to secretary mode, take a deep breath, write down their answer. And then I did ask a follow-up question. And I said, Why, what do I do that causes you to believe that? And they said, well, before we go into stores, you would say things like, guys, we're going to go in and I want you to be well behaved and I want you to not be running around and not be touching things. And you can potentially break things. And our presence in the store provides a witness. And that witness might be the only experience that someone else might have of what a Christian family looks like and what Christ looks like in action as we walk about the store. And I'm thinking, I'm encouraging them to live out what we talk about all the time in our family and what we talk about when we talk about being followers of Christ. I'm thinking it's an encouraging thing. But as young ears, they heard, well, if I misbehave, I might keep somebody from Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I was like, 
what? <laughs> That's not what I meant at all. But I see exactly what you are saying. I see exactly how my words sent this message to you. And now you are walking through the store as a little one, thinking this whole burden of someone else's faith walk is on your shoulders. And I was like, I never meant to burden you with that. I never meant you to think that your mother was so ultimately concerned about your behavior and that she was missing the importance of just who you are and discovering who you are and helping you to be the best you possible. I love hearing how that played out with your children, Susan, because I think in friendships or in marriage or maybe with our own parents, there can be so many opportunities for miscommunication in relationship and how much more with little developing children where something with such innocent motives from your part could be misinterpreted and miscommunicated. And so this meeting just opens up countless possibilities for restoration of relationship and clarification of what you are teaching them. Absolutely. I cannot tell you how grateful I was to know that that's how they felt when they were younger. Because I can only imagine if that was the burden that they were carrying at such a young age of an expectation of behavior, how that would continue to be a burden upon them. And when they were a teenager, they would act it out out of acting out their frustration at having that expectation on them and that burden and no longer wanting to be burdened with the the cares of someone else's faith walk or their behavior or this, you know, like if you're not behaving in a certain way, therefore you're not, you know, a good, what fill in the blank, a good boy or a good girl or a good Christian or a good um, son or a good daughter, like all of that burden, like they would no longer want to be shackled with that. And it helped me to understand how I stressed behavior in my communication when really I wanted to reflect to them an acceptance of who they are and the best parts of who they are when we go out. So I accept you as you are. And there's parts of you that are patient or that are creative or that are fun loving. And when we're in the store, can I see that patient part of you? Can that, that patient part would really help us today. And that's not an expectation of you putting on something that's not you, but it's speaking to something that's already within you and just calling it forward. Like you are patient or you are kind or you are generous or you are friendly. And would you allow that to part of you to show and to express that today when we're in the store? And there are parts of you too that get frustrated and tired and disappointed. Me too. And we're going to deal with those parts. We're just not going to deal with those in the store. We're going to deal with those in the car. We can talk about those later. But we're going to just give each part its turn and it's the turn for your your friendly, patient part while we go in here and get this work done. I appreciate that. Just a sample script for us to tuck away. And will you continue with number four? Absolutely. What promise have I made to you that I failed to keep? And feel free if there are any stories that come to mind or any corrections that you made after hearing their response, you can let us in on your experience. (laughs) I'm telling you, over the years, I have 
made all the mistakes. So if there's anyone listening and you're like, I am intrigued by these questions and I want to do them, but I'm afraid of what my kids might say. I'm afraid of what they might tell me. I'm afraid of how this might go. Just know that you are fully capable of handling everything your child would say, good, bad, or indifferent. You can handle it and you will be grateful to know. Trust me that. It might not be fun to hear it, but you'll be grateful to know. And I have had my kids bring up promises that I made to them and I did not keep them. The saddest part is I didn't even remember them. And what it has taught me over the years is to be very mindful of what I am saying to my children. Because for me, it could be a casual statement, but for them, it could be something they treasured all the way in their hearts. And they might not bring it up again. They might not say anything, but they've been holding on to, mom said she would do this for me and she didn't, or mom said she would take me here and she didn't. And you've moved on, I've moved on, we've forgotten it. But for them, it was a broken promise. And so sometimes I think our kids are, not listening to us or they're frustrated with us and we don't know why. And it could be that casually we made a commitment to them like, oh, I'll be sure and read that book to you tonight before bed. I'm going to make, I'm going to make sure I read that to you or tomorrow we're going to make sure we go to the park. And for you, it was, of course, if it's not raining or if something else doesn't come up, we'll go to the park. But for them, you promised them you were going to take them to the park and you didn't. And these are some of the little fractures in our relationship with our kids that often don't come to light until there's a big fracture. But those many little tiny cracks have been happening. And when we meet annually with them and not saying that they'll remember them for the whole year, like, you know, 11 months ago, you said, but it gives them the practice of bringing up any little issues that might one day become a big grand issue. And what about number five? This one is a two-parter. It's outward and inward. So do you feel respected by me and do you respect me? And what kind of responses have you experienced? (laughs) Well, one at the time when I started this, I was not aware of Dr. Emerson Egrich's work around love and respect and how men honor and appreciate respect and women value love. And raising a son in this household full of all these girls, we there's a lot of love conversation, a lot of emotions being discussed all the time. How much I was speaking to him by asking him about respect. I just didn't get that that would mean so much to him, but it did. Um, but also respect in our home is one of our core values. So when I am asking that question, it's also tapping into, do you feel like I'm living in alignment with the core values as it relates to our relationship, me and you? And do you feel like you're living in alignment with our family's core values as you relate to me as your mom? So it's been a beautiful opportunity for us to check in on how we are respecting one another. But also for me, when they do give me feedback, for me to get a glimpse of what respect looks like uniquely to this child. And I think your questions, even the order of them, are laid out so thoughtfully because you do help us pull up and get a little bit lighthearted after it's been a little heavy. And so how do you transition into number six? 
Mm-hmm. You're exactly right. Uh, number six brings it up. And we're asking, what is one thing you would like for us to do together? And what are some creative responses that your kids have given you over the years? Mm, I've heard all kinds of things like have a tea party or play games or watch a movie. My son has invited me to come in and play video games with him, which is a hilarious experience because I am that person with video games going, okay, what button do I push for that? Okay, what button do I push for that? (laughs) He's trying to tell me because it's simple to him. And he's like, you're going to pull this one and push this one at the same time in order to jump. And I, I don't get it. But he has a great time laughing at me trying <laughs> to work both hands, both fingers in and in a toggle all at the same time. And I don't know what I'm doing. But once again, this gives you a peek into the soul of your child. It gives you a peek into their heart, like what moves them. So when they're saying, what's that one thing you'd like for us to do together? And it may not be one. Like I have some who want to give me a list. They're like, and then we could do this and then we could do that. And they got like this whole list. And then you might get others that just, you know, take you at your word. You say, what's the one thing? And they give you that one thing. And let me just say right here, it may be tempting for you to say, I want more than that. Like, come on, talk to me, like open up. This is our time. I think they will when they feel comfortable, right? When they have something to say, trust that they'll say it. And if they don't, let it be okay and let them just stick with whatever initial answer they give you and let that create an atmosphere of trust between you that mom's not going to subtly try to lecture me or or she's not going to subtly try to correct me that I gave the wrong answer by saying, you know, there's got to be more that you want to do with me than just that which is saying, you didn't give me enough, or I didn't like that answer you gave me, then instead say, you know, thanks so much for sharing. I appreciate you letting me know that. Let me write that down. And then we'll move on to the next question. And then they feel like, oh, okay, mom's just listening. Hey, everyone. By now, I hope you've checked out our articles that are available at thesavvysauce.com. And if you sign up to join our email list, you'll enjoy free ideas and encouragement delivered straight to your inbox. Our hope is to encourage you to have your own practical chats for intentional living. So the freebies will oftentimes include questions you can ask on your next date night, safe resources to read to promote enjoyment in your sexual intimacy and marriage, or questions to ask yourself to promote spiritual growth. We hope you check out all the available reads at thesavvysauce.com under the articles tab. How much of this information that they're giving you leads you to implement a new change? Like if they give you that long list of things they want to do, do you apply all of those or what's your process there? (laughs) Yes. I, I let them know that I'm taking notes because I want to remember what they have to say, because I think that what they have to say is important, but I don't want to create an expectation that Once they come in and they share their thoughts and they share their perspective, that I, as their mom, am going to adopt their perspective. Like, that's not what this is about. I want to create the space for them to practice using their voice. I want to give them the space to practice owning their truth, their little T truth. I want to give them the space where they feel respected and honored by their mom. And she won't interrupt them. She won't correct them. She's just here to listen so that they experience that unique level or form of love. But from there, I prayerfully 
take those and then review them and pray about them and say, what if this is true? Like, what if this is an opportunity for me to grow, for me to change and for me to shift in a way that helps me to form a deeper bond of connection with this child? And then what if this is a place for them to grow and for them to expand their perspective beyond their limited, narrow view of the world, but for them to expand it? And then how do I, as a mom, facilitate that for them in a way that helps them to grow and to experience a bigger shift. So it's not an automatic that what they say becomes the new standard for the household, as much as having a say helps our household overall to be the best that it can be. And they are valuable contributors to making sure that that happens. You're just laying out how it requires wisdom to even ask these intentional questions and set aside the time. And then it sounds like the step further is after you have all of these answers, it requires discernment to know how to put it into practice. And all of that requires the Holy Spirit to guide us. Would you share number seven with us now? Sure. Number seven, we're going back in. It is, what are you not telling me out of fear that I would love you less if you told me? I can see where that one gets right to the heart. Oh, yeah. This is... This is one where in secretary mode, I like pull my face closer to the paper. Like I could feel that it would be so easy for me to grunt or make a face or give them something that would shut down the vulnerable place they're about to go. So I try to protect that moment by whispering to myself, like, fix your face, fix your face. Like, don't. Don't react in a way that will shut this down because this is the moment where I've heard things like uh, when my kids have been exposed to pornography and I didn't know or where they have learned about self-harm and tried it and I was unaware. They read about it somewhere or someone discussed it with them or where they've had questions about um, their value or their worth or their their fears or their doubts, or their insecurities, and everything in me as a mom wants to rush to the, no, that couldn't possibly be true. Or why would you think that? And who said that? Or who did that? Like, I want to get all the facts and details. And when did this happen? And where was I? And how come I didn't know? And like, I want all my questions answered, which just would shift the conversation back to me and away from them. And I want to keep this space open and the floor open for them to share everything. Because no matter how legit my question is, no matter how legit my concern is, if I step in with my questions and my concerns, what I might ultimately be doing is cutting off more. There might have been more they wanted to say than what they even got out. Because maybe that first thing that they shared was just the beginning. And they were testing the waters to say, will mom really listen? Will she really not judge me? Will she really not get into her emotions and her feelings and shift the room to make it all about her? Will she really just be here for me? And when I have stayed in secretary mode, that's how we got to those deeper issues. They didn't start there. They would start things like, oh, well, yeah, you remember you told me that I had to go to bed by 930 and I didn't. Or, you know, they might start on light things. And then they get down to, yeah, well, when I was out with my friends, you know, we saw some pornography. 
someone left a magazine on the ground. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't mention it because uh, one of them, you know, we threw it away, but, and I'm sitting there just writing it down because I'm celebrating that they're willing to open up and say something about it. Like, when do you even bring that kind of stuff up at the dinner table? Like, do you just do it real quick before we run in the grocery store? Do you just happen to say that before you go to bed at night? It's like, I really think those intentional moments, creating that space that says, I want to hear what's on your heart. What's weighing on your mind? What's, what is your mind tossing over when you're trying to go to sleep at night and you're struggling and you didn't know when to bring it up? You weren't sure how to bring it up. But now that I've asked you this question, you finally feel like here's a moment for me to share. Because remember, mamas, like we're doing this annually with them, but what we're teaching them is that we can be trustworthy, go-to people in their lives 365 days of the year. This moment is just setting a context for a lifetime of experience and deep heart-level conversations with our children. And that's such an important question. And what about the next one? Number eight. What do I do that makes you feel embarrassed or irritated? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And again, with this one, is there a promise on the parent's part to change or just some awareness? No, no promise to change it at all. Like none. And I let them know that too. Like, I appreciate you sharing that with me because it's good to know. Like one of the challenges that I had is, you know, trying to form friendships as a mom and trying to form friendships with moms that could create potential friendships for my kids. And I would get super excited. Like I met a mom and she's got three kids and they're your kids at my kid's age and we should get together. And I'd tell her to come on over and I wouldn't necessarily announce it to the kids because we know as moms that, you know, kids get sick or things happen and we're not able to get together and, and to just overcome any potential disappointments for them and me having to answer 10,000 questions about why they didn't come and you said they were coming and da da da. I would just wait till the moms practically pull up in front of the house. And then I go, hey guys, we got friends and they're just pulling up. I see their car outside and they're going to come inside and they're going to play. And I would just go into this whole thing of like how much, how great this would be. And my kids would be looking at me like, well, how long are they staying? And are they coming in my room? Are they playing with my toys? Like, are they going to eat our food? Do we have enough food? Like they had 5,000 questions still. And I'm trying to answer them on the fly while I open the door and welcome the other mom in. And, you know, my kids are just increasingly frustrated with me because they don't feel prepared for the moments that I keep just throwing them in. And I'm thinking, well, why would you be frustrated by that? Like they're friends and you can go play. But in their minds, They wanted to prepare for that as much as I prepared. Like I ran around and I was getting the house together and I thought about what we would have for lunch and I thought of potential activities, but they didn't have but about 30 seconds to think about that, right? And that's something they shared in the one-on-one with me. And that helped me. Now, I've also had them say things like, well, when you start singing to the songs, when we're out in the mall and you start dancing, that's embarrassing. And I'm like, well, that is just your mother. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Be able to compare the two responses. That's so good. (laughs) And the last two are incredible questions as well. So will you share those with us? Absolutely. Question number nine. What could I do that would let you know that you are loved and appreciated? 
And when I ask that question, that's one of the questions where I will look them in the face when I ask them that question. Most of the other questions, I'm truly secretary mode. I just kind of look up, ask the question, look back down at my paper, take notes. But this one, I just want them to feel the love that's coming from me, especially after they've gone through so many vulnerable questions already. Like this one is one where I want them to sense that it doesn't matter what you've said. It doesn't matter what you wanted to say, but you still are working on the courage to say it to me later. I want you to know this mama loves you. And I want to know how I can let you know that I love you. What looks like love to you? And question number 10, we finish with, what are you struggling with and how can I help you? And this can be anything from I'm struggling with trying to tie my shoes or I'm struggling with my sister keeps coming in my room and taking my toys all the way up to how do you know if you love someone or if you just like them or how do you know someone likes you and they're trying to figure out relationships or I've had people struggling with like, how do I know what I want to be when I grow up? People ask me that and I don't know how to answer that or I'm thinking about college and I'm trying to plan ahead and how do you pick a school? Like all kinds of interesting struggles come up and things that are on their mind that it actually has surprised me at what age they've said things. Like I would be thinking about, okay, if they're teenagers, they're thinking about relationships, but it's been interesting to watch younger than that. They're beginning to ask, like, how do you know if someone is a friend or a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Like what, like, what is the difference in that? I'm not sure. And it's like, they're already beginning to develop this awareness around them about their world that is younger than I was anticipating, but it's good to know that these are the things that are on their minds. So that's what I love about all of these questions, but especially finishing up to find out what, what are they struggling with? Like what's currently on their heart? Wow. Susan, this list just feels like perfection and I can see where it leads to those deeper conversations. So after you've had this time where you can intake all that they're sharing with you, how do you end your time together? And what do you both do at that moment to conclude? I, really try to stay sensitive to the tone of the room. Uh, With some of my kids, especially when they were little, they've been fidgeting and moving around and their session is usually quick. So if your session ends really quickly, please don't make it feel like, maybe I did something wrong or maybe my kids don't feel safe with me. It could just be that that's their age and that's about all the answers that they have now. And as you develop a habit and a pattern of doing this every year, they'll have a deeper understanding of like what to prepare and think about to come to the session and really give you more of what the kind of answers that I'm providing for you. Like I want to continue to highlight, you know, I've been doing this for 15 plus years. So my children have an expectation of this moment. It's become something that's very routine for us. And it's one that they get to really um, think about and process. And they're older now too. So if you're dealing with little ones, it's okay if they've got a little truck or a doll or something in their lap that they want to play with while they answer the questions. It's not like they need to sit in a chair, like they're in a therapy session and sit up straight and answer the questions, allow them to relax and feel free and comfortable, you're more likely to get to that heart level with them anyway. I love to take all these questions, all their answers down to each one of these questions. I keep them all bound together so that they're tucked away in a place that that is protected so they don't feel like their answers can be easily found by anybody and just read randomly. And I just check in, like, where's the room? If they're young and they're lively and they're done, I could, you know, I high five them, give them a hug, thank them for sharing. 
let them know that they're free to go in there and finish up the movie with their siblings and off they go. Uh, but if I've had a child that's been very vulnerable and I want to ensure that they don't leave feeling, you know, naked and exposed, I might hug them longer or uh, I might pray with them and just say, hey, let's pray together. Or I might just sit quietly with them and and like rub their back and reassure them how much I appreciate that they were willing to be so open and honest with me. And it's something that I treasure about them is that they would trust me enough to share what they needed to say. And I want them to know that I hold in confidence everything you've shared with me. And I will continue to be praying for you. And I will be praying to God to help me be the best possible mom that I can be for you and allow the Lord to show me where I need to shift and where I get to help you shift. And together when we shift, we're all moving closer to the Lord. That's our goal. And I, I reassure them in any way that I can and then say, when you're ready, you know, let them go. Quite often when I've had a very vulnerable session with one of my kids, I let them go out the room Then, because we usually meet in my bedroom and I shut my bedroom door and I have had teary times where I turn on music so they can't hear me and I just cry it out because I didn't know that that was what my kid was struggling with or I didn't know that that's something they'd been exposed to. And I feel like there's a part of me that feels like I've done something wrong and I'm feeling very much like, where did I miss it? And how did I drop the ball? And how did I not know? And I want to get that right and get that settled so that I don't carry that out of the room. So that when I do come out of the room, I come out ready to re-engage with my family instead of carrying in this shame. And then I'm parenting out of shame for the rest of the day. And nobody wants to have 10 questions with mama because when she comes out the room, <laughs> everybody's getting in trouble and she's fussing about all kinds of things. And she just feels like she's not good enough for anything. And I want to settle that. And, and sometimes settling it is just enough for me to tuck it away until I can have a fuller conversation with my husband or go and talk to a friend and process it deeper later. Like right now, I just need to like get my tears out, wipe it away and then say, okay, let's go make dinner. And then later we need to deal with this because this is a lot. But I give myself that permission as well to um, process through what has just happened and not just immediately fling the door open and go back to life. Well, and if people want to replicate this process, do you ever change these questions over time or each year are you coming back and you're asking the same ones? Uh, the questions I'm sharing with you right now are the questions that I have developed over years. I used to have some different questions that I asked them and I really shifted and transformed. And these have stood for quite a few years at this point. So these are the questions that I ask, but sometimes based on the answers that my children provide, there's a natural question in there for me to ask for a little bit more information. Or could you share an example of that? Or could you tell me a story of when that happened? Or could you help me explain what you mean by all the time? Is that it's happening regularly? Or is it, do you feel like that, you know, like, what is, what do you mean by that? And it helps me to clarify their answers, but the foundationally, the questions stay the same. And are there any do's or don'ts that you want to recommend before we try this at home ourselves? <laughs> oh, there's several. Um, and I go into those in detail on a recording on my podcast where I share this in detail, the context on how to set up the meetings and questions and how to ask them and 
uh, what that looks like as far as your pacing and your timing with your children. But ultimately, what I want to really stress is that do make this a priority. Do set up a meeting with your child in the same way as if you were meeting with the most important person in your life, because you are meeting with one of the most important people in your life, and that's your child. So just like you would do it with an adult where you would set up a specific time and a specific day, do that with them and show the honor and the respect for this time. Even if they're little and you say, hey, today after lunch, I want me and you to talk in the room, that's still setting up a time with them that's on their level. Like they don't understand Tuesday at 1230. Like they don't get that. (laughs) But if you say on Tuesday after lunch, me and you, they get that. And it's something that they would anticipate and look forward to. So do make it a priority. I would say the biggest don't that I want to highlight is don't take what your children say as capital T truth, universal truth. Like this is how it is. So help me God. But take it as the little T truth. This is their experience, their perspective today. It could be completely different tomorrow. And if we take our complete feedback on their little T truth perspective, we could misjudge ourselves and misjudge the situation. And that will really wreck our identities. It will wreck our performance. It will wreck our mindset and our heart. It will shake all kinds of things. And I don't want that to be your experience. This is not about saying what my kids say is the new standard. But instead, I want to know how do my kids currently view the world? How do they currently view our relationship? And instead of me assuming everything is good because it seems good from my perspective, I want to hear how things look from their perspective. And we will certainly link to those episodes that you mentioned. And your podcast is just awesome. I love it. There's so much encouragement for mothers there. So we'll make it easy to find in our show notes. But if we're convinced we're ready to try this at home with our own children, what encouragement do you want to leave with us now? I want to stress that I think the reason why the teen years in my household have not been as turbulent as everyone predicted they would be. Like, oh, you got teenagers in your house. It must be rough and it must all be all these things. It's simply because we had this tool. That this tool allowed us to tether ourselves to one another in a way that we had a rock solid bond going into the turbulent years of hormones and change and friendships developing and bodies changing and minds changing so that we already had the bond that would help us ride the winds and deal with the turbulent times. So it's not that we avoided turbulence. It's just that the turbulence wasn't me pitted against my children but it was us pitted against the challenges of the day, the challenges of the world, the challenges all around us, but we were bonded together. And that bond was forged over time, spent asking them these questions and me listening to their answers with my heart open to receive whatever correction wanted to come from the Lord, not correction coming from my children. Well, I just love that you've gone before us and practiced this for over a decade and now are able to share all these experiences with us. So if people want to continue learning from you, where can listeners find and follow you online? 
Yes. Well, you can connect with me at my website, which is my name, susanc.com. That's Susan, S-E-A-Y.com. And I have a podcast now close to 100 episodes where most of those episodes, like 97 of those, are me solo teaching you more tools, equipping you with ways to really affirm you in your motherhood and help you to build a strong, intentional family where you all live with purpose and passion. And uh, you can find that at the Mentor Number Four Moms podcast on on your favorite podcast player. Those are the two main places. And then the main social place that I hang out is Instagram. Well, we can't wait for people to find you there. And these questions that you've developed over the years, it's turning into another step. Can you share more about your upcoming book? Yes. So currently... You can get these questions if you go to my website, susanc.com forward slash shop. And if you purchase the intentional parent card set, that's a two deck set of cards. The first deck is ways to be more intentional with your kids. It's called 27 super simple ways to build a rock solid relationship with your kids. That's a whole mouthful to say that they're just simple ways to be more intentional. If you desire to be more intentional, you could pull a card got a quick, easy, practical idea for you to implement and be more intentional. But the second deck in that set is questions intentional parents ask their kids. And if you are intrigued at all about how do you have these level three conversations with your kids, what kind of questions do you ask them to help facilitate a really open conversation with your children? This is an entire set of cards that has questions in there for you to ask at the dinner table or ask in the carpool line or wherever you all are together. And only one of those cards out of that entire set is one of them is the 10 questions is on one card, but there's an entire stack of cards of questions and the 10 questions is in there and you can grab your own set of 10 questions. And currently I am in the editing stage on a book all about these 10 questions where I share more of my stories Uh, more of my heartbeat behind you creating this time with your children. And I'm looking forward to that book coming out later this year. Great. We can't wait to pre-order our own copy. And Susan, you're familiar that we're called the Savvy Sauce because savvy is synonymous with practical knowledge. And so is my final question for you today. What is your Savvy Sauce? (laughs) I have thought about that in light of Uh, my life right now. And I would say my savvy sauce is rest. I am learning that I best operate. We all best operate when we're well rested and that puts us at ease. It puts us at peace. And I have experienced several health challenges recently and rest has been the most healing and the most restorative process that I have allowed into my life. And it's helped me to see how little I allowed in my life of rest in the past because I really relied on my own strength. I relied on my own grit, determination, focus, passion, purpose, um, all of these things. And now I'm realizing that when I rest, I'm actually creating a stronger trust bond with the Lord. Um, I'm really relying on his strength instead of just saying that because it sounded good, but I'm truly relying on his strength for all that I do. And rest is something that I am communicating to myself constantly, and I'm passing that on to my children. And I'm watching my home transform into this place of this posture towards rest of we rest first and then we work instead of we work in order to rest. Hmm. That's a very important lesson for all of us. And 
Susan, you may not know, but you've impacted my motherhood journey in such positive ways. And even from today, I now feel equipped to get to meet with Sayla and eventually Shiloh and Isla and Kessler. So I have you to thank in advance for this relationally bonding experience. You're certainly impacting all of us and our children by the wisdom that you shared with us today. I just love you and want to say thank you for being my guest again. Mm, I have loved this. I look forward to knowing that all of the mamas who listen to this and trust what they've heard enough that they give it a shot will have this experience that not only transforms the relationship they have with their children, but it sets up a legacy of their relationships between their children and their children's children. And it will transform their home for generations. And I believe that that is the power of moms in action. Yes, Lord, let it be so. Amen. One more thing before you go. Have you heard the term gospel before? It simply means good news. And I want to share the best news with you. But it starts with the bad news. Every single one of us were born sinners. And God is perfect and holy. So he cannot be in the presence of sin. Therefore, we're separated from him. This means there's absolutely no chance we can make it to heaven on our own. So for you and for me, it means we deserve death and we can never pay back the sacrifice we owe to be saved. We need a savior. But God loved us so much, he made a way for his only son to willingly die in our place as the perfect substitute. This gives us hope of life forever in right relationship with him. That is good news. Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live and died in our place for our sin. This was God's plan to make a way to reconcile with us so that God can look at us and see Jesus. We can be covered and justified through the work Jesus finished if we choose to receive what he has done for us. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to take our place. I pray someone today, right now, is touched and chooses to turn their life over to you. Will you clearly guide them and help them take their next step in faith to declare you as Lord of their life? We trust you to work and change the lives now for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are declaring him for me, so me for him. You get the opportunity to live your life for him. At this podcast, we are called Savvy for a reason. We want to give you practical tools to implement the knowledge you have learned. So you're ready to get started? First, tell someone, say it out loud, get a Bible. The first day I made this decision, my parents took me to Barnes & Noble to get the Quest NIV Bible, and I love it. Start by reading the book of John. Get connected locally, which basically means just tell someone who is part of the church in your community that you made a decision to follow Christ. I'm assuming they will be thrilled to talk with you about further steps, such as going to church and getting connected to other believers to encourage you. We want to celebrate with you too, so feel free to leave a comment for us if you made a decision for Christ. We also have show notes included where you can read scripture that describes this process. Finally, be encouraged. Luke 15.10 says, 
In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The heavens are praising with you for your decision today. If you've already received this good news, I pray that you have someone else to share it with today. You are loved, and I look forward to meeting you here next time.